Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right. Welcome on in, everybody. It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. little uh, update on the podcast here. Uh, if you guys have noticed, it's up late today. Um, so to give you guys the reasons for that. So uh, taped the show for Sunday. Spoiler alert for everybody. Although it's a little bit of uh, damage has done my friend now. Um so I wanted to get you guys on there for Sunday. I wasn't going to be able to be there live because I was in Orlando for my son's birthday. Uh, we were taking him to SeaWorld and had a great time, had a fantastic time. And I was going to just probably keep it the same podcast unless anything really spectacular happened in the uh, the first Fight Island card, uh, which it did. It was actually a couple of things. I was going to... Uh, do a new segment to send in to Antoine who produces this stuff for me if I ever need to do that and I said I'm only going to do it if if Habib comes out of retirement and so lo and behold I get there on Saturday morning and there's this big Habib decision that's going to come Dana White teases it he's like 3 p.m ABC Tune in, Habib Nurmagomedov. He's going to decide on his future because all these videos that came out from the day before, where they have a closed door meeting, and I guess Dana was uh, was there for like a looking for a fight type of thing, where they were doing the Eagle Fighting Championship that 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 uh, Nurmagomedov has been teasing. So they do the video of his closed door meeting, and all right, we're going to see what the decision is. And so I, in the midst of all of this, <laughs> I'm at SeaWorld. And I'm waiting at the the Shark Cafe where you can go and eat. Whenever I go to SeaWorld with my family, as an aside, I, I go to this underwater Shark Cafe because, quite frankly, the food at Seafood sucks. I mean, it's it's among the worst of theme parks. But they have this one uh, restaurant, this shark restaurant, where you can go and you could watch the sharks swim. And it's more money, but like I always look at it as like if I'm going to spend a bunch of money on food. I'll spend a little bit more to be satisfied rather than spend a lot to be just wildly dissatisfied. So I'd rather, rather than spending like $75, which I'm going to end up spending at, you know, whatever bogus cafe they have there for chicken tenders and a pulled pork sandwich. Uh, I would rather spend the $100 at their restaurant. And, uh, it was uh, it was one of those things. It was it was one of those things where he. It was one of those things where I was like, "All right, uh, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll sit this out." But it was a long wait. They're obviously not letting a lot of people in because of COVID. It was like half filled, if that. They had like no staff. 
Um, so I'm, I'm seeing some of the card go up, but I'm waiting for this Nurmagomedov decision uh, to bring it back to this. And they get to it, and he's like, yeah, Habib is coming back if somebody impresses him in the main event and the co-main event. Um, he and that he was also blown away by Charles Oliveira. So it's kind of like a yeah, maybe a maybe I'll think about coming back, but somebody has to do something really spectacular. So I don't know what that means. I I uh, it, it everybody was wildly disappointed by this because it felt like I honestly thought the way that he put out the decision because the way he said it is like I'm going to announce Khabib's decision. And I'm going to announce what that means for the main event and the co-main event. So it made it seem like to me, and I think a lot of people, that he wasn't coming back and that Dana was going to announce that the main event was for the championship and that the co-main event was the number one contendership. That's the way I read it. And what it really came down to was kind of a big uh, bleep tease by Dana White that you should buy the pay-per-view because if one of these guys does an amazing thing, maybe Khabib will come back out of retirement and fight. You know, so it did too. Like you feel like you got you got you got uh you know the the old honey trick into the uh the 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 ABC card if you weren't tuning in, which had a lot of competition, it was going up against NFL football that day. And now you feel that way, I think somewhat for the pay-per-view, which I really don't think should need the Habib tie-in, like Connor's coming back to fight for the first time in a year, feels like that should be enough, but whatever. So, yeah. As far as uh, who would impress him, okay, so the way I lead it out of that is, okay, he's not, he's still not keen on fighting Connor. He's still not keen on fighting... Uh, He's still not keen on 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 going with somebody who he's already choked out, and I kind of get that from Namaga Madoff. Um, you know, the only thing is like, so you're telling me like, what if Michael Chandler like head kicks Dan Hooker? You're gonna come back and fight, or you're gonna tell me that Dan Hooker, if he's spectacular against Michael Chandler, like deserves to jump? Dustin and Dustin beat the holy hell out of him, even though you beat Dustin. Um, Charles Oliveira, I will say this with Habib. And I love Namagamadov. Don't get me wrong. And I feel like it's a crime we're not getting more of him because it feels like he's getting better every single fight. But the idea that he would go fight Oliveira after one win over Tony Ferguson, after us getting, you know, jerked around for all of these years and never getting the Tony Ferguson fight and him finding any reason not to fight, fight Tony Ferguson or the, the fight gods not making the Tony Ferguson fight happen. And you give the guy who beat Tony Ferguson, beat the holy hell out of him. Don't get me wrong. He dominated Tony. Uh, but the fact that you would give him that fight right after that, it's not an easy fight. Don't get me wrong, but it feels wrong. You know, it's like one of those things like what's not that but feels that that's what that like. It's not wrong that you want to fight Charles Oliveira, but it feels wrong that you want to fight Charles Oliveira and not Tony Ferguson. And I get it. Look, Tony's now, you know, this is two fights in a row, 10 rounds in a row that he's lost, uh, you know, feels a little bit like the uh, the Woodley 
cliff that he's kind of going off, off, but it sucks. It still sucks as a fight fan. So this brings me to the main event. And this brings me to Max Holloway. So as I told you, I was at SeaWorld, right? And then I so I see the news. I'm not really watching the fights. I saw uh, Joaquin Buckley get head kicked. I saw that highlight. Uh, crazy. That's that's like paying. You've used all of your 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 uh, your your token with the head kick gods when you lose like that after having the highlight real knockout that he had to have last year. But I get to so my daughter wants to go see the dolphin show where the dolphins jump and do the tricks. I've seen it a thousand times. SeaWorld can dress this up as many times. Look, SeaWorld, you could rank in three three ways, all right? They got three main shows. They got the, the Sea Lions, which is a parody show. Hilarious. Always love it. Love the cheesy jokes. Never not funny. Always, always, always there for a good time. Orca show, obviously a tradition. You go see the orcas, even though people feel poorly that the orcas are there. I get it. But, you know, staple of, of SeaWorld. We actually didn't even go to the orca shows this time. Um, and then of course you have the dolphin show, which I'd rather go to the dolphin nurse and go watch the dolphins. Neither here nor there. Point is seeing the dolphin show a thousand times. They've tried to do everything with it. Standard dolphin show, uh, ride the dolphin show, try to turn it into a, a fairy tale with dolphin princesses. They've done it all. I mean, I've seen, cause I would say sea. I would say SeaWorld is probably a place I frequent a lot. I do like SeaWorld. Um, and the wife being teacher, she gets to go for free kids are young though one of them usually gets a deal as far as amusement parks it's a great deal plus they actually have some pretty badass roller coasters and they're getting another one um but i i am there at the arena the the dolphin arena watching these mammals flip and we go there early my, my daughter wants to go there early because she wants to see the trainer talk and then she wants to see the show so that's like so the show's at 5 30 5 10 is when the trainer show starts and so I was like, all right. So I look at my phone, walkout starting. And I get the C, the SeaWorld wireless, which was kind of spotty. But in this particular arena, it was great, I guess, because they probably have all the equipment there or whatnot. So bloop, hooked up onto that. Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. Right there in my palm. Fantastic. So I'm watching this thing. And it, you know, I, I you know, Max Holloway is coming into this thing. What's he going to look like coming off of the, uh, the Volkanovsky fights? Everybody's looking at him at the uncrowned champ. Um, Calvin Cater, tremendous boxer, you know, number six in the world, you know, can he be a guy who catches Max with something who throws a lot of volume? Can he, can he, uh, get him with something dangerous? Feels like it has the makings to be a really great back and forth fight, except it wasn't. It was a fan, just a fantastic one-sided performance from Max Holloway. I mean, he was so breathtakingly good on this thing with his arsenal uh, especially his hands. I mean, I don't, there aren't many guys who are better volume attackers than Max. The way he wears people out with, uh, with his strikes, the, the diversif uh, diversification, I don't know if that's even a word that he hits people with, uh, from head to body. He really just feels like he doesn't want to leave one place for you to be comfortable. He's going to find every inch of you. And that's what this was, man. And he was not only that, he was showboating. I mean, he was making Calvin Cater miss. It was a brutal, brutal showing. And, you know, what he doesn't do with those hands when he gets into close range, I mean, he hits with those hellacious elbows, gashing you up. You know, just just what you would come to expect from Max Holloway, but are also marveling that he's just 
still this good after this many years in the sport. But then you realize that he's not even old. Uh, he's just been doing this forever. And I think as far as an approval rating goes with fans, I don't know anybody who doesn't like Max Holloway or the respect that he has from his fellow fighters. I remember doing an interview with Masvidal back uh, after his Darren Till win, and he was doing this talk at an elementary school. And he says that it wasn't just that, you know, Dustin Poirier, uh, it was after Poirier got the win and before he was going to fight Ben Askren. And he was like, you know, it wasn't just that Poirier got the win. It was the fact that he did it against Max. I mean, Max just has that respect from everybody. And what he was doing in this with, with the versatility that he was hitting Calvin Cater with, uh, you know, by round four, a lot of people were wondering should the fight have been stopped. I could have seen it. I think the only thing that you could say back is like, look, Calvin Cater had the uh, the the heart of a line, and he was throwing back any opportunity. Anytime he had the wherewithal to pick up his arms and swing at Max, he was doing it. He hit him with some big stuff. Um, you know, and Herb Dean, sometimes with Herb, he wants his pound of flesh, man. Like, you never quite know what mood Herb Dean's going to be on on a certain night. I could, see the, I could see the argument for it being stopped in the fourth round. I don't find it to be one of the most egregious that I've ever seen in my life. Um, but it was funny, man. I'm like watching this thing and, and like dolphins are flipping. And, like, and I, I feel like a couple dads were looking over my shoulders too, like getting their binoculars going. Cause we weren't on top of each other, obviously with the social distance and whatnot. But I, I could tell some dads were like, this guy's got it down. He's watching the dolphin. He's not, it looks like he's watching the dolphin show, but really he's got the UFC in his pocket. Yeah, it did. But this performance by Max Holloway with the trash talk, he's, he's screaming, I'm the best boxer in the UFC. He's talking to the uh, to the broadcasters. And, you know, my this was the honest reaction that I had after that. Because, you know, mind you, I'm mulling over the, the Khabib thing while it's going on. And I'm seeing penguins. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, why doesn't Max fight Khabib? Why not? Because let's think about this. You know, Max has only had one fight at lightweight. It was against Dustin Poirier. And Poirier beat, beat the hell out of him. You know, Max screams he's the best boxer in the UFC. It might be Poirier. You know, there's just two guys who are going to be fighting uh, next week that have an argument for that. Connor, obviously, you know, he went 10 rounds with the, the, the best boxer of the last 25 years. Um, there's Poirier who is a guy who, if you call yourself the best boxer, you have a guy who greatly outboxed you, even if it was a, a, a weight class above. Um, Masvidal, for sure, one of the best boxers in the sport. Uh, I think Nick uh, Nate has uh, some claim to that as well, but I would say George is probably a cut above that. Um, Stipe, great boxing skill set that he brings to the table, for sure. So those are some of the ones that come to mind. If I'm missing any, you know, I'm sure you guys will light me up and let me know. But those are the ones that immediately come to uh, come to mind. I'm trying to think. Uh, Cody Garbrandt got some pretty damn good boxing. But this performance by Max was just spectacular. And really, it made me think, like, who is going to be more spectacular than that on the next card? If somebody is more spectacular than that, Holy hell, are we in for uh, an amazing UFC 257. But I really thought about it because remember, we were supposed to get Max Holloway versus Khabib. It ended up being Ally Aquinta, 
But remember, Max was going to step in. I believe this was the car where Tony tore up his knee doing media, and Max was going to ride in, and he had a ton of weight to lose, and the commission stopped him. They didn't. It's not that he didn't even make weight. The commission wouldn't let him cut weight because they didn't like how he was looking. And there was like all the stories that he had like 30 pounds of weight to lose. And I know the immediate brushback from people will be, yeah, but he's already lost. He's lost his lone fight at, at, uh, at lightweight. Well, a couple of things. One, fine. That's, that's an okay argument. I don't think it's great because we, we've seen guys get, you know, title fights off of lot. We've just seen that Yoma Romero did it twice. Um, two, for Khabib, uh, you know, in this little uh, area of, oh, you have to impress me. I don't know what the two guys in, in this main event, they're the two other contenders at this division right now, the two top contenders deserving, I would say. Um, I don't know what they could do for Nurmagomedov to feel like, oh, I want to fight them. Uh, Dan Hooker, you know, he just lost to Poirier, so... We're going to say, ah, Max lost recently. Yeah, so is Dan Hooker. So is Michael Chandler. It's not like Michael Chandler has this huge win streak he's riding. Um, Oliveira's got the biggest win streak. So if you just want to go off of win streaks, I guess you would go Oliveira on that in that regard. But Max, we were excited about Max Holloway stepping in on late nose to fight her. But we were excited about that fight. The other thing is, there is a ton of people right now, you know, yours truly included, who believes he is the uncrowned featherweight champion of the world, that he he is the guy who deserves to have the belt around his waist right now. And this Volkanovsky thing is, a, a, you know, kind of the big wet fart elephant in the room right now because Max is deserving of fighting for the championship. Volkanovsky's going to fight Ortega, but there's a lot of people that don't believe Volkanovsky won that second fight. And that Max is kind of in no man's land because I get Volkanovsky not wanting to fight him a third time because he's going to have to knock him out. It feels like for people to be pleased with the performance. Um, so, you know, Max talks about afterwards, I'm just into big fights. I'm, I'm just into legacy fights. I'm, I'm here to step in for either one of those guys if they can't make the walk next week, which I think would be really cool if he was able to do this. But if he's going to be able to be in that spot, if he's ready to make the leap uh, to 155, why not just let him fight Khabib? Who's going to, like, you're not going to buy that fight? You're not into that fight? Uh, you're telling me Max isn't enough of a badass to to to, to get that one for you? I, I, would, I would love that fight. You know, Max Holloway is as bonafide an OG as it gets in this game. He is a champion. He is arguably the best featherweight of all time. Um, and I think that argument got even stronger with this last win. I I just, you know, who wouldn't love that? Who wouldn't love uh, Max Holloway versus Habib Nurmagomedov? I think it's a fantastic fight. Um, he's deserving of it. He for sure has the resume and the credentials and everything that should warrant uh, Nurmagomedov from wanting to fight you. So... That was my immediate takeaway from, from that Max Holloway fight. Not only that the performance was awesome while I was watching Dolphins flip in the air from, from my peripherals, but with the whole day getting put together of Habib saying, you know, or through Dana saying, maybe I'll fight if somebody super impresses me, which is not really a thing. I guess the question really would be, is this a fight that would get Habib out? 
of retirement. I think it would. I mean, you're beating a guy, um, you know, maybe would the argument be, oh, he doesn't really get, like, he doesn't get anything out of his resume from beating Max Holloway? Like, let me ask you something. What would mean more to Habib's legacy? Beating Michael Chandler, uh, you know, guy who came in for belt. And I don't mean this as disrespect, but I love I, I love Michael Chandler, but career Bellator fighter, Dan Hooker, who's, you know, kind of on the cusp. You're beating a guy who's really like a new on the scene. Uh, Charles Oliveira, hardcore, probably would love it. Um, but again, new to the, to the scene, just kind of rising into it as far as like true title contender watch for him. Uh, or, you know, beating either Connor or Dustin twice. I would say probably, you know, beating Connor twice. That's always going to be one people remember for sure. But honestly, like of those four guys, Max being at the peak of his game, having a performance like that, and the fact that he, uh, he in a lot of people's eyes, is right now the true 145-pound champion of the world. He's had one crack at 155 pounds. Yeah, he got beaten up by a guy who's been one of the best lightweights on the planet for the last five years. There's no shame in that game. This is not boxing. So I, I say they do it. I don't know if they will, but I think they should. That was my takeaway from this weekend, everybody. We enter the rest of the episode. Everybody, uh, I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next time. Good morning, everybody, and welcome on in to Fighters Fury here on 790. The Ticket Tobin here with you as the next hour. We are going to dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. A lot to get to. I got a lot of guests today, actually, on today's program, which I'm very, very excited about. If you guys missed it this week, we had Dustin the Diamond Poirier join us on the morning show. But it was a fantastic conversation. I do want to bring it to you guys. If you missed it uh, from Thursday, we are going into a fight week. Dustin taking on Conor McGregor in a lightweight main event showdown six years in the making and uh you know guys have praised dustin Poirier up and down on this show uh one of my favorite fighters to watch so looking forward to watching uh to our conversation with dp as dustin Poirier fighting out of coconut creek american top team he will be taking on of course the braggadocious southpaw irishman the notorious conor mcgregor next week at ufc 257 from we also, on that same night, there is going to be a local boxing card, Road Warriors Promotion. Uh, I have been looking forward to having Glenn Johnson on this show for a long, long time. I actually remember with Seema Tommy Guns, we had Glenn Johnson in studio, one of my first shows doing this actual program, but I haven't had a chance to speak with him since. Um, I had a run-in with him at one of the show run-in. I, had a, I, 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 I crossed paths with him one time at one of the local shows, and then uh, I took one of his boxing classes actually at uh, Body and Soul Gym, where this is uh, this interview takes place this week because I went down there. Um, but I've never had him on the program since, and so we will uh, we will have Glenn the Road Warrior Johnson on the program coming up later in today's program, as well as former Miami Hurricanes basketball and football player Rafael Akpajori, who is going to be on that card, big heavyweight, former UM star. He is uh, into boxing, undefeated heavyweight, and Glenn Johnson is training him. So he is going to be on the card next week. If you guys want to go check out some local boxing, it's going to be at the Miramar Regional Park Amphitheater. 
next week starting at 5 p.m is when the doors open so it is boxing at the end you guys can get information you got either glenn johnson's instagram account uh rafael akbajori's instagram account or you can also uh go to what is it let me get their instagram handle is it road warriors promotions i think is what it's at yeah road warrior promotions on instagram they got all the information there as well. So we'll hear from them later on in the program. Went down to uh, their gym. It was nice to get back out on the field. I really missed that. I missed the uh, the one-on-one interaction. You know, we had a chance to talk to Dustin this week. We talked to him via Zoom on uh, from Abu Dhabi. And that was cool. You know, we talked to him. It was like 9 o'clock his time. I think we were his last interview of the day. Um, but he was still great. But I do, I love getting that one-on-one interaction. I love being in the boxing gyms. I'm hoping to do that a little bit more because there's a lot of uh, people training down here because we are more open than a lot of places. There, uh, People are coming down here to train, and it's, it's I think, going to offer us a good opportunity to get some good content for you guys. So keep on the lookout for more stuff, but uh, you'll hear a little bit later on today, Rafael Akbajori and Glenn the Road Warrior Johnson uh, later on today's program. But I want to get into some of the news from this week. So this week in the world of boxing, uh, the big headline as far as this is concerned is setting up 2021. What are the big fights we want to see? And I've uh, I've kind of limited it to... I've, I've kind of put aside the welterweight division. I don't even really acknowledge it right now because it's... Uh, it's it, it's not it's not even worth getting a headache over anymore, even though it does anger me as a fan that we're not going to get the fights that we want because of whatever the uh, and I saw people last week. They're like, oh, Tobin, you put too much heat on uh, on Terrence. It's more on Errol and uh, and PBC. Maybe so, you know, maybe so. But but I think Errol and Errol does buy into a lot of that. But I do think that Terrence has almost taken the bait because he's not as outspoken. And, I, you know, I just think that. These two guys should be taking a note, a page out of the lightweight division where these guys are always talking about each other. Literally since it feels like Tiafima Lopez has won the lightweight title, all of these guys are having some kind of a... They're always talking about fighting one another, whether it's Devin Haney getting into a Tiafimo, whether it's Tiafimo getting into it with Javante Davis, Ryan Garcia getting into it with Devin Haney or Gervonta or any of those. And I know George Cambosis is trying to peek his nose in there um, as well. And, 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 you know, he was just named the the mandatory for TFM for the IBF title. And, I you know, look, I hope George gets it. Like, like we talked about this last week, and I thought that he was going to get it. It seemed like they were hinting that it was going to be the case that George was going to be announced. And I, I, I figured with the way Australia is via coronavirus with coronavirus and all that type of stuff. And, um, just the fact that, you know, TFM was mentioned him before he has respect for, for Cambosis, but now it seems like Cambos, uh, now it seems like Tiafimo is starting to swing some of his attention more to Devin Haney, which is good for Devin in a spot because I, I felt like Devin was in a in the place where nobody was really interested in fighting him. Uh, it seemed like uh, it seemed like you know Ryan was maybe going to be pairing up with Javante. He called it Javante. Then Tiafimo and Javante got into it. Maybe they were going to go, um, and so maybe it was going to be Ryan and Devin. I don't know. It, it, but the point is, they're all interacting with each other. They all acknowledge that they should fight each other. They're trying to get the big bucks. Ryan Garcia was talking about this week. He wants to retire by twenty six. 
Um, you know, and if that's the case, that's not a guy who's going to be sitting around waiting to be coddled in these fights to go on very long. So that is just, you, you look at all those guys and they're all in their twenties. And then you look at the welterweights and they're in their thirties. How is it? That the young bloods, bloods have this game down better than the welterweights do. And I guess maybe you could say, well, they're actually maybe doing it better because, uh, they, they're taking on easier competition and, and I guess getting big paychecks, but, I don't know, man. I just think that Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford, they're getting to the point where people are are going to get wary no matter who they fight. Unless that person is Manny Pacquiao, who mostly seems set on fighting Con uh, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor's coming out this week and says that that fight is going to happen. And if you are Manny Pacquiao, I honestly think you should take the Conor McGregor fight over any other fight. I really believe that. He has fought everybody there is to fight. It is not con it is not Manny Pacquiao's responsibility to uplift the sport. I, and I say the same thing about Floyd. It's not Floyd's responsibility to go back and fight anybody. We were talking about this with uh, this week. I was talking about this with Leroy where Leroy was saying, oh, I wish Canelo and Floyd would have fought again. And I said, I get you, but it's not really Floyd's place where he's got to go give another one to Canelo because Canelo wasn't ready when he took the fight. Like he knew the risk going into it. And so Pacquiao comes out this week and he says something to the effect of uh, Terrence Crawford and Errol Spencer options right now, but I want to experience fighting a mixed martial arts fighter like McGregor. I'm also going to enjoy uh, donate a big portion of my income to the Filipino uh, COVID victims. Pacquiao wasn't exactly exactly complimentary towards Errol Spence, uh, as according to him, he says Spence is too slow. Spence is slower than Thurman, but it's still going to be a good fight if you were to fight him. And you know, I don't know what Errol Spence is going to say to that. I'm sure he'll he'll disagree. Look, Errol Spence is certainly big and he's dangerous, and you know he's talking about going and fighting up Canelo. So yeah, there's a big size risk. But look, Manny Pacquiao has made a career out of beating bigger people. He has. I mean, he is. You know, say what you want about the Antonio Margaritos or, you know, how Oscar De La Hoya was in the fight that he fought him uh, or Keith Thurman. I mean, he has made a life out of beating bigger opponents. That is the charm of Manny Pacquiao. That is the greatness that is Manny Pacquiao. He goes and he beats up guys who are bigger because he is faster, more explosive, uh, usually gets a big lead on scorecards because he can uh, he, he can he's going to probably put you on your ass at some point in that fight and you find yourself playing catch up. Now, I think one of the things that's really been the downfall of Manny Pacquiao is there was a guy early in his career who really would hurt people. He wouldn't be afraid to take a guy like Miguel Cotto, who he had beaten the holy hell out of and still beat him down and beat him down until the fight was over. Same thing with Oscar De La Hoya. Same thing a lot with Antonio Margarito. There was a time though in his career where that flipped and, he would knock a guy down, seem like he made his point in a fight. Didn't want to hurt guys, you know, didn't want to, didn't want to put the extra full throttle on. I don't know if it's because of him finding God. I don't know what that led to, or, uh, you know, the, he wasn't the wild man Pacquiao anymore. Um, you know, some think it may be because he's not on PEDs like he used to be. Maybe it's just age. I don't know. But one of the things that's cost him in some fights is that he's been a little bit two lacks on the leads that he's gotten but he but make no mistake he knows the formula to go and get those wins so you know i hear this week and i hear connor talking about there, there's there's two sides to this because connor is talking about 
the uh, the idea that you know he wants to have a featherweight type run through the lightweight division. I don't necessarily buy that. Um, you know, he's also talking about fighting Nate Diaz. So like, because if you were going to do a featherweight type run, if Conor was going to do that, he'd go and he'd beat, you know, Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler, Dan Hooker, Tony Ferguson, that, and, you know, obviously would have to end up beating Dustin Poirier this weekend and then eventually would fight Habib if that were to ever happen again. But, you know, he was talking this week, he wants his next fight, it sounds like he wants his next fight to be Nate Diaz. And, you know, we've seen the Nate Diaz thing. I mean, I'll watch it again. Don't get me wrong. I know it's going to make for a good fight. I know, you know, it's it's how I feel like with him and Dustin. I feel like I know this is going to be a good fight. I know he thinks he's going to knock out Dustin in 30 seconds, uh, in 60 seconds. But I think it makes for a good fight. Dustin Poirier is rarely in a boring fight. Same same with Nate Diaz. Um, But the last time that we saw Nate Diaz, you know, he was getting it handed to him by by Jorge Masvidal pretty, pretty badly. Pretty badly, his his uh you know his he was cut up pretty badly, so I don't know I don't know what to make of that. You know, Connor said a lot of that last that same stuff at the beginning of last year, and obviously people get a little bit of a pass because of COVID. But he said he was going to fight a ton last year and didn't, um, because he likes things lined up the way he likes them lined up. I would guess if he's going to fight in January like he did last January. Does this lend itself to he's going to fight Manny in the summer? Does it mean that he's going to fight him at the end of the year? Or is he going to fight him next? I don't know. I think it all depends. It probably depends on what happens with this Dustin fight. I do think it matters. I, I think that, you know, if Connor goes out and he loses to Dustin, yeah, maybe Manny does end up diverting over to the welterweights because because Connor's name is not as hot. Like, don't forget all this Connor stuff with the with uh, the Floyd like that was him off being the champ champ being the double champ his name is hot as ever you know I do think that what happens this week matters as far as him going into boxing and I haven't really thought into the whole Mauricio Suleiman WBC oh they'll give him a chance to win a, a world title in boxing like think of that what you will like the, the WBC likes getting just that 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 green belt which is beautiful like they like putting a version of it with everything you know even if a guy's not a champion they'll Deck it out. Look at all. Uh, make it look at all. Cinco de Mayo and festive. They made the money belt for Connor versus Floyd, the one that was of snakeskin. Remember, they claimed it was worth like three million dollars or something like that. So, do with that what you will. Um, but from from my standpoint, getting back to the boxing element of this, I just think that the welterweights are on the outside looking in when it comes to the rest of this year. Canelo, he seems the one thing I like about Canelo is Canelo seems like he does stick to his goals pretty well. And he wants to clean out this 168 division, taking on the likes of Billy Joe Saunders and, and Bripev and uh Caleb Plant. And I, I think that's a cool goal. I think it's it, you know, he truly does want to go out there and, and make himself the undisputed super middleweight champion of the world. That's a really cool goal. I'm into that. And Canelo, you know, like a lot, of, you know. Canelo is another guy who's just like he's just got such a pleasing style to go watch every time that he fights. You're always gonna feel like um, you're getting some kind of a show. It's got levels to it. I mean, like, look, I don't want to see him fight the Rocky Fieldings or the Wash Sergey Kovalevs of the world anymore. I want to see him fight because he's still in his prime. You know, the difference between Canelo and Manny, even though they both accomplished a ton in the sport of boxing, is 
you know, Manny is in his 40s. You know, Canelo's just in his 30s. There's still a lot of time left for him to to do some to, some great things in what's still a prime career of boxing. And then with the heavyweights, um, you know, I guess we're just waiting upon, you know, Tyson Fury and and, and where that stands with him and, and AJ. You know, there's some talk of uh, Deontay Wilder trying to challenge us. I don't know how legit it is. Um, he kind of seems like he's on the outside looking in. And I'd probably be more sympathetic for Deontay if it wasn't how he's handled the loss and all the conspiracy theories and the cheating and the nonsense. Because at the end of it, I feel like Deontay, more than anything, just needs to go win a boxing match to get everybody back on his side, you know? Um, because if he's going to do this from the sidelines, I don't know how that's going to be for the business of fighting Tyson Fury. And I don't think it's like, look, this guy's been uh, an undefeated heavyweight champion for years, you know, 40 plus wins in boxing. Think of the record, what you want to think of it, whatever. I'm a big Deontay Wilder fan. I've been disappointed in how he's handled the loss to Tyson Fury, but I'd love to see him go into this, year thinking of the right guys to take out he's kind of done Luis Ortiz he's been there done that but a, a Dillian White a uh a Pavetkin who he's tried to fight before um and Andy Ruiz you know I, I if if he were to go out for example if he were to go out and he would just smoke Andy Ruiz and and beat him down which I think he could um after Anthony Joshua has lost to Andy Ruiz and has had a nice solid win against it. If he could go obliterate Andy Ruiz, I feel like that would say something about Deontay Wilder. And then, you know, especially if it comes to the fact where, let's say, AJ is able to get his hand raised against Tyson Fury. I don't think he's going to beat Tyson Fury, but let's just say he does. You're in a whole new ball game. Like you're back in the ball game because if AJ does somehow get this win over Tyson Fury and you obliterated the guy who beat you, now you're back in the running um, instead of just sitting here talking about, you know, coaches and on the take refs on the take judges on the take poison water, loaded gloves, slipped gloves, cut gloves, all this type of stuff. So boxing's got a lot of stuff to look forward to, though, in 2021. I really, really even though it was really a year in 2020 where it was only, um, you know, the first couple months and then the last three months, um, I do feel like. There's a lot of great storylines because I felt like last year there really it was really the heavyweight division and that was kind of it. Um, and then Tia Fimo kind of saved it. Like there was really only two guys that you could put as far as like fighter of the year, either Tyson Fury or Tia Fimo. And it's it's kind of a half year, so that sucks. But even going into the year, like mostly everybody was just talking about the heavyweight division. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that is ripe for the taking right now between the lightweights, between the heavyweights, between you know, Canelo and what stands with the middleweight division, who ends up being up top at 160. And then I think on the back burner of all of that as well to wait, just because until Tice, uh, until Terrence and Errol fight, that feels like it's dead. It has no movement. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It is Fighters Fury here on 790. The Ticket Tobin here with you. Uh, we roll on into a little bit of UFC as it's been a busy week from Fadalund. Coming up Wednesday, we'll get into UFC 27 a little bit. I talked a lot about the main event last week, and I will because we got Dustin Poirier. I'm going to bring you that interview in just, uh, just a matter of minutes. Um, 
but I'm going to kind of do a little bit of the rest of the card coming up with UFC 257. If you want uh, all the thoughts on the main event and where I stand, I'll reiterate it after the Poirier interview. But um, I just, if you want like a, a full breakdown of it, of where I stand with it, I did talk a lot about it last week. If you missed it on the podcast, radio.com app, Apple podcast, look up Fighters Fury. It's right there on the homepage of uh, the ticketmiami.com or of course on your Apple podcast app or the radio.com app. That's the place to go. This uh, this upcoming fight uh, on, on Wednesday is an interesting one. You got Neil Magny taking on Michael Chiesa. Now the card's taking a bit of a hit because obviously this was supposed to be Leon Edwards and this was supposed to be uh, Hamzat Shemaev. So, you know, unfortunately that fight's been uh, been scratched multiple times. I do feel like it's uh, it, it's helped. I know they've rebooked it. I'm trying to... When was the date? Though? Let me get Hamzat. They've uh, rebooked it, him and Leon Edwards, for March 13th. So I do think that um, it's... People have compared it to, to Tony versus Khabib. I pulled a little bit of cold water on it. These guys aren't at that, that level yet. In fact, you know, we've just learned about Hamzat. Not even uh, not enough people know about Leon Edwards, other than he's the three piece in the soda guy. But I do think that because this fight has been so sought after by the promotion that they they maintain this is the fight they want to put forth. I do think whoever comes out of this fight, the winner has big things ahead of them. You know, and Leon Edwards should uh, because he is taking a big risk in this regard. He's taking on a guy in Hamzat who you know was basically unknown by most people just a year ago and we really after that 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 stint where he blew through because of all the 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 mess ups with getting this badge event, we haven't seen him again so we really haven't gotten the the bit that put all the charm into Hamza Shermayev we haven't really gotten because it's been hey you're gonna fight Leon Edwards at some point but Leon's taking on number 14 ranked guy um when you think about all the matchups that are probably there for him to take um it's been unfortunate because of covid he's had some stuff that's really fallen uh, away from him but it's not this week instead we got uh we got michael kiesa taking on max holloway now kiesa has been at welterweight now for a couple of years he's won three straight since moving to welterweight a lot of people think that he can make some noise here in the welterweight division and then you got neil magny who nobody wants to fight he always puts forth a, a really good performance. He just beat Robbie Lawler back in August. Um, he's He's got a win over Rocco Martin. He got three wins this past year. And he's always a guy who's a pain in the ass to take on. He, he wears on you. He can take some damage. He's long. This is a tough, tough fight. It's a tough fight to pick between both of these guys. I really hope, though, whoever comes out of this, because right now you got Neil and Mike. They're both just inside the top ten. And I definitely think that both of them are primed to kind of jump onto the outskirts of that top five, you know, especially with Tyron struggling a little bit. Seems like somebody's ready to, to kind of knock on the door there, but it does feel like whoever does get a win here, even though Neil's been in the division forever, he gets a win over Michael. You hope that he can get back at there because you look at the guys who are above them and, and Steven Wonderboy Thompson, Tyron Willie, and Damian Maya. Three guys who are kind of on the back end of it, you know. Even though Steven's coming off a win recently, um, their title window feels very, very shut. And these guys feel like they still got uh, plenty of time 
to to do some uh, do some things. And and Neil's in thirty three, so he's right in that prime area. And and Michael's also thirty three, so they're both in the same age range. Uh, getting into this, but it's a fun fight. I like Kiesa, uh, and I, it scares me to pick Kiesa because I feel like Neil Magny always stuffs it down my throat when I feel like he's not going to get the win. But I, I, I do like Kiesa in that upcoming matchup with what they got going on in uh, in this one. But I do wish that we were able to still get a uh, Hamzet and Neil Magny, uh, Hamzet and uh, Leon Edwards, excuse me. Uh, and then coming up next week. You know the interesting one. You got you got uh, for next week. You got uh, Amanda Hibas who's taking on Mariana Rodriguez and Strawweight. So fun uh, showcase. I think for Hibas, she's gonna get a chance to show some more people. She's becoming a quick, quick fan favorite for a lot of folks, and this is good exposure for her uh, with this with this upcoming one. Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler. I can't wait for this scrap. I think there's a lot of pressure on Michael Chandler because of. His age, him walking, knocking on the door of this uh, this opportunity. Um, you know, some of the most anticipated views: Gaethje, Ben Askren. They haven't exactly got according to plan, and you know, we've seen it go both ways. We've seen the guys who have come into the UFC and have been able to withstand all of it and, and get to the top. And with Michael Chandler. Um, I've been wanting this guy in the UFC for a long, long time. And, you know, as he says, if he gets his win, he wants to call some shots. I don't know what Michael Chandler's call out's going to be. I think, uh, I think, you know, he gets this win. I think it's going to excite a lot of people because people have been waiting, you know, especially the hardcore MMA fan. They've been waiting for him to, to, uh, to do something for Dan. If Dan beats Michael Chandler, um, you know, he's beaten new guy on the block. I don't know where he wants to swing himself. If that's the case, because he did get beaten pretty soundly by, Dustin Poirier, especially from round two on, but uh, but from round you know after round two that amazing round two which was you know candidate for round of the year, uh, but it's a uh, it's a fun card man I can't wait for it next week. Now we got a chance to talk to Dustin Poirier this week. We had him on the uh, we had him on my morning show with Leroy Horde, which you guys can hear six to ten every single weekday. But we got a chance to talk to Dustin as he is in Abu Dhabi. We got a chance to talk to him from Fight Island. And this is our conversation with the man who they call the diamond, Dustin Poirier, before his rematch against Conor McGregor. You guys, home team, man. Train out of Coconut Creek, American top team. So he trains out of South Florida. And uh, Leroy knows a Louisiana native as well, Dustin right. the Diamond Poirier. He is in the main event, UFC 257, coming up on January 23rd, live and on pay-per-view against Conor McGregor. Dustin, thank you so much for the time, man. And uh, we really appreciate it. No problem, man. Dustin, this is uh, this is exciting, man. The, the Conor McGregor fight, um, it, it's uh, it, I'm sure exciting for you that you, you're getting to do this again. I want to ask you, uh, you you had something like this very similar happen recently with Max, where you had a very long distance between having an opponent that you fought. Is this lead up similar? I know they're different opponents, but having that grand of a gap between opponents that you have faced before, do you find that helpful in prepping? Is it not matter anymore because you feel it feels like a lifetime ago? What has that been like? Yeah, I feel like this is a, a completely different fight from the first one. So I'm not really playing into that a whole lot. Um, same as the Max fight. Preparing for that fight was, it felt like it was a completely different fight just because how far removed, you know, me and Max fought like in 2012, maybe. I don't even, I think it was 2012. So you fight him seven, eight years later. It's just a whole different thing, man. We're both different fighters. We've evolved. We've took losses and, and racked up a lot of wins and learned lessons along the way. 
um, it's an, it's a constant evolution. We have to be different fighters uh, to, to even be here and stay at the top for this long. So uh, I'm, I'm preparing, uh, a whole different way. It, because you fought so long ago, um, there's really, how much can you take from that original fight? Because you've changed, both of you guys have changed so much and, and what you, how you've progressed in your career. You know, the, the things that, that, that are the same from that first fight is, uh, obviously he's a Southpaw, but his punching power, his accuracy, his speed, those things are still true, but the skill set that goes along with those things, you know, the kickboxing, the wrestling, the jiu-jitsu are all evolved. Um, our understanding and, and our, our, like we were talking just a while ago, the preparation, um, the, the learning of the, the right way to do things and, and, prep, uh, and prepare for these fights, the wrong way to do things. We've, we've learned these lessons along the way, and we're just more refined now. Uh, I, I was talking to Lero this week about your last fight, the Dan Hooker fight, because that thing was uh, unbelievably thrilling. And one of the things that uh, makes me, you know, makes you one of my favorite fighters to watch. I don't understand how you withstand some of the fights that you go through. Like in a, in a sport of crazy people, you, uh, you are, you, you seem to embrace chaos better than anybody else. How do you do that? Like, how, how does it seem like in every one of these things, like you don't think that Dustin Poirier can top the wars that he goes through, but you do, and you seem to love it. It's 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 uh, it's admirable, but also crazy. <laughs> and I, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> the guy sitting, the guy sitting here in front of you is. When I think about those kind of fights, I'm the same way. I'm like, wow, this is this is insane. But uh, when I get in there, something changes, you know, and and I enjoy that. I've talked to you to your coach, Diet Davis, before, and. You know, uh, as any coach, they want you to not take as much damage. But you in these fights, when when you are in these wars, you do seem to see these openings. Uh, do things when things get that crazy, Dustin, like is it is it get to like barbarian level or do you is there still like a science to it? like are you seeing stuff in there when it's a, a Dan Hooker or Justin Gaethje kind of kind of fight? Like how how do you maintain um, finding your spots and in, in things when they get that nuts? <laughs> you uh you know, there's definitely a, a method uh, to the madness in there. I, I'm um, I'm taking risks, but some of them are calculated. Try to make all of them calculated, but you know, it's a fight. I I, I want these guys to hurt. I need to dig, and I want to dig down. And sometimes fights unfold like that, and you have to, you know, get in the fire and get your hands dirty. And I don't mind that, but. There definitely, there's definitely technique involved, and even though it looks crazy from the outside, on the inside, uh, it feels calmer to me. Yeah, and you're like, you're like, he was, you were like talking back and forth with these. Uh, was that weird fighting with the no fans? Because I mean, you did a lot of John back and forth with Dan. Is that something you typically do during fights? And we just noticed it more because there was no, there was no crowd, or was it, uh, was it just singular to that fight because there was no crowd, so you felt uh, more open to talking. No, it's something I typically do. I, I just think, you know, it's lost with the cheering and with all the noise. Um, but it's something I, I always do. I do it in sparring. I, I like to have a good time, man. Well, I can't imagine the trash talk that's going to be going on uh, next week. Uh, I mean, you know, between you and Connor, he he's going to go at it. I, I think you have a different approach, though, because he's playing, 
And his recent fights, the guys across from him haven't been playing too much. Like they'll talk trash, but they 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 mean business. It's yeah, and this this is what it is. It it is business. Um, he is uh, he has predicted that he is going to uh, finish you in sixty seconds. Uh, I imagine you uh, disagree with that. How uh, <laughs> how would you uh, how do you see this playing out? Like in your in your mind, do you have a a way you think this fight uh, plays out um, as far as the game plan is concerned, or or, or what you've Im- imagined it being? I imagine winning. I, I I don't like to make predictions, but whatever I can make happen, whatever opens up, uh, I'll take advantage of. You know, I'm very confident in my skill set, and and I know I can finish him. One mistake is all it takes. Did uh, did Masvidal uh, train with you at all for this uh, for this up- upcoming fight at ATT? I know you guys help each other a lot in uh, in getting ready for the fights. Yeah, we trained a few times. Uh, I was at American Top Team for about eight weeks, and we trained a good bit. How is uh, how is he doing? We I feel like we haven't seen him on the scene since his uh, his last uh, championship uh, on on the last minute against Kamaro. He's doing good. He's uh he's always in the gym. You know, always uh, grinding and learning. So it's it's good to have guys like that around. How is Fight Island over there? So far, so good. I'm still in quarantine. I get out tomorrow around lunchtime, probably. So you've been just stuck in the hotel room for the last 48 hours or something like that? Yeah, I uh, was stuck in Vegas for, for 48 hours. Then we flew 15 hours. And then I've been stuck here for 48 hours. Well, before we get to you- quarantine. We're looking forward to the fight coming up. UFC, yes. UFC 257 uh, next week, next Saturday, January 23rd. You got Dustin Poirier taking on Conor McGregor. It is going to be, I think, a hell of a fight. I've been, uh, I've been looking forward. Uh, I look forward to every one of your fights, Dustin. But I think I, I'm glad that you're getting this, getting to run this one back because I know uh, what a different fighter you've become over these last few years since since that last one. So I'm glad you're getting that chance again. I'm sure you are too. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. All right, man. Good luck. I'm serious, man. He is one of my favorite fighters. I love Dustin Poirier, and I'm looking forward to that fight. I'm picking him. If you guys missed it last week, I'm picking him to win. I think he's going to win a unanimous decision over Connor. I think it goes five rounds, but I think he's going to get the best of it over five rounds. That's how I think that fight goes. We'll take a quick break. We come back. Very excited about this. We've got Road Warrior Promotions at Miramar Regional Park Amphitheater and get a chance to talk to the Road Warrior, Glenn Johnson. That's coming up next. Welcome back, guys. Fighters Fury here on 790. The Ticket Tobin here with you. I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time. Uh, we actually were talking about this a couple months ago when I first saw this on his Instagram page. So Glenn Johnson, a.k.a. the Road Warrior, former world champion, knocked out Roy Jones Jr., lives down here in Miami and, uh, you know, coaching over at Body and Soul Gym, and he coaches a lot of professional boxers. He is putting on a show coming up at Miramar Regional Park Amphitheater. It is going to be next Saturday. Uh, January 23rd, so the same night as UFC 257. Doors open at 5 o'clock, 5 to 11, so you guys would be, still be able to catch the main event of uh, Connor and Dustin Poirier if you like both sports. But if you're a boxing head and you want to catch a little sweet science, uh, Glenn Johnson, he is going to join us here and tell us a little bit about his show. And he has uh, been one of these uh, former former professional fighters, now retired, who is interested in fighting Mike Tyson. So I got a little chance to talk to Glenn Johnson about that. Here he is. We're here from Body and Soul Gym in Miami. We are here with the Road Warrior, Glenn Johnson. He is Road Warrior Promotions coming up on January 23rd at Miramar Regional Park Amphitheater. 
Thank you much, so much for the time, champ. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. What uh, what made you put a, put this show together? This is really awesome. Brainboxing to Miami, and it's, you know, close to my heart. I'm happy to see it. So, what made you want to do it? Well, one, as you can see, we're in this beautiful gym, and I'm training these guys every day. They're getting ready, and there's not enough show around here to keep them busy. A lot of times, we have to go out of town and stuff just to get fights. So I said, you know what? Let's start promoting some shows to keep these guys busy and some other guys around here want to get on the show. Those opportunities are open for them. So tell me about some of your young guys that you're looking forward to displaying to, uh, to South Florida. Well, I have Rafael Akajuri, a light, um, he's a heavyweight from Nigeria. Um, he's, a, he's a big guy, um, athletic guy, used to play football. Also used to play basketball for, um, for, um, for the University of Miami. And um, all I have to do now is just kind of teach him the boxing skills because he's an athletic guy. He used to um, competing all the time. So all we got to do now is teaching him. I'm teaching him. He's learning. He's very, very good. Um, and I'm looking forward to see what the future holds for him. You, uh, do you, when you coach a guy, Glenn, um, and a guy's going to turn pro, do you always think about what, kind, what can this guy be, or are you trying to just take the development little by little and see how they grow before you think about what the big goals can be? Well, yeah, we just take your time and you develop them and making sure that they are learning the fundamentals, um, teaching them all the stuff that you know that they need to learn, and then you see how far they can take that. Um, you can't really look for the big picture right away and all of that stuff because that's how guys get to rush into bad situations. Uh, from, from your standpoint, uh, what, what do you think about South Florida as a, as a boxing community? I've seen you have plenty of the shows down here that we put on, but Rafael was telling me a little bit about, you know, he thinks that this can be a big market for boxing and this can be a very a worldwide stage. And I, I would hope that that could happen one day, but it, it hasn't to this point. Do you think that? Do you think that this has a chance to be one of the real boxing capitals of the world? Well, you know, it should be. I mean, Hispanic, we have a lot of Hispanic people here. Hispanic love boxing, Puerto Rico, Mexicans, Cubans, all of these Hispanic islands love boxing. We have everybody here. We have Jamaicans and guys from the islands, all different parts of the, the, the world are here. This is the Mecca. So all of these sports should take off. Soccer boxing, these are things that everybody is familiar with. So I don't see why it wouldn't take off. We, our goal is to keep working hard and keep on pushing the narrative and see if we can get the people to buy in. Uh, the sport's uh, you know, been on fire as far as starting to get back in, into the, from the from the pandemic and all that type of stuff, so it's been cool to see. As a former champion yourself, you know, there's been some, uh, some, some real divisions on fire, like the lightweight division, you know, the, everybody there. And a lot of people think that this is a good opportunity for a bunch of young guys to fight each other and really kind of bring the, bring the sport back and not kind of avoid each other. Do you think that's, that's, that's possible? Like, do you think this is a chance uh, with those guys like Teofimo Lopez, Devin Haney, Javante, and Ryan Garcia and other ones in that division? Do you think it's a possibility that this can be a, a, a division in the sport that maybe kind of changes the narrative of what boxing has been lately? Well, these are the guys who can change what people have been saying about boxing for years. Um, the top guys don't want to fight the top guys. You know, it's in these guys' pocket to do the right thing. Give the people the show and don't wait till you pass your prime to take on 
um, the challenges. Do it now in your prime and change the narrative and have get people excited and bring boxes fans back to boxing. And, and even people who are not boxing fans, turn them into boxing fans so we can make this thing what it used to be, the number one sport in the world. I want to ask you before you get back to coaching because I don't want to take too much of your time, but I see your Instagram post about you fighting Mike Tyson. Are you serious about that, Glenn? Like you would oh, you, if, if, that, if you got that call, would you want to do it? If I got that call, I would have taken it. Listen, he fought the guy that I beat, yeah. he's Ryan Jones. I don't see why I'm not fit for that challenge. You, uh, what did you th how did you think he looked in, the, in, his, in his comeback? Um, I thought Ryan jo Jones looked a little shaky. Um, I thought he lost the fight. I was impressed with, um, with, with, with um, uh, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson looked pretty good. He, he was doing a lot of the things he used to do. Wright Jones was trying to do some of the things that he used to do, but it didn't come off well. Your, uh, your show coming up on January 23rd. Uh, tell the people again you know, just what they can expect and, and what you're looking forward to bringing them. Well, January 23rd, going to be a, young, a bunch of young Miami guys trying to put their stamp on boxing. Come out and support them. These are your people. These are your fighters. Let's get it done. The Road Warrior, Glenn Johnson. Check it on out. Get your tickets, Ticketmaster.com. We really appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Glenn. Thanks, T. Appreciate you. That was a thrill, man. We wanted to do that one for a long time, so I appreciate Glenn giving us a, a chance to talk to him. Now, also got a chance at Body and Soul Gym to talk to Rafael Akbajuri, who is going to be fighting on the card. Undefeated heavyweight, former Canes basketball player, former Canes football player. And uh, I think you guys are going to like this guy a lot. You're going to like his uh, his personality, especially what he thinks Miami can be as far as boxing is concerned. Here's my conversation with undefeated heavyweight going to be featured on this card coming up on Road Warrior Promotions next uh, this upcoming Saturday, January 23rd at Miramar Regional Park Amphitheater. Rafael Akpajori, I think you guys are going to like this conversation. Here's my talk with him. All right, we're from Body and Soul. We got Rafael Akpajori joining us here. Big heavyweight. Holy crap. Uh, he's going to be fighting on January 23rd. Roy Warriors Promotions, bringing back a card. Get your tickets now. Ticketmaster.com, Regional Park Amphitheater. Thanks so much for the time, man. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, sir. What is, uh, what, how, how excited are you? We're in a new year. You get to start it right off with a, uh, with a, with a fight. I'm sure everybody wants to put 2020 behind them. So getting the, 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 a pro fight to, to start off 2021, what does that feel like? Well, it feels great. You know, it's a, it's a good start. We've been prepping for this day for a long time. Um, Glenn Johnson started a promotion, so we're trying to push it. And hopefully this year we can have a great year of boxing. Um, I'm grateful for last year still, though it was a tough year. A lot of people had no fights. I had three, so I'm grateful to God for it. Um, three is a, it's a small number in a good year, but it's a great number in a pandemic year. Yeah. Um, so 2021 is going to be a good year for boxing in South Florida. How did you manage that last year? How did you get, because three actually, it feels like a lot of fights. <laughs> in a lot, the, in the it was How a lot did you manage fight. that? Um, I, I started a year off with a fight, just like I am right now. I had a fight in January 17. Now, when we're supposed to have a fight in March, but that got canceled. Uh, we had another one in August. It was a closed-door event. Uh, we got we were lucky to get on uh, with a few contacts we had. They got us uh, some of the hookups. And we had another one November 7. That was also a closed-door event. So when Florida opened partially, we planned to have this one here in Miami um, in, in two weeks. So was training during a pandemic and fighting during a pandemic, is it second nature to you now because you have so much experience and what a crazy world it is? Like, does it even shake you at all or worry about, you know, I guess any extra steps or any type of stuff that you have to take or you're just kind of rolling through with it? As, as it I mean, when, we, when the pandemic started, um, everybody was shut down for a long time. So we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, for a month, I didn't train. I didn't do anything. I didn't break a sweat. So I had to kind of ease back into it. 
Um, I was lucky that uh, um, we were, when we were allowed to come back into the gym little, um, little by little, I started training. I mean, the good thing was that we're not training for anything specific. We weren't training for a fight, so we're just getting better. You know, getting more comfortable in the ring, getting more experience in the ring, getting sparring here and there if we could. Hopefully a guy didn't have um, COVID at that time. And, uh, you know, that has helped my growth, I would say, because like I said earlier, we, we got more comfortable in the ring. We trained on a lot of technique. It's not like we're preparing for a fight, so we had to worry about an opponent or training towards that opponent's skill set. We just had to worry about ourselves. So I would say the, the pandemic has really helped me out. Um, you know, my last fight, I saw some level of growth. You know, I was more focused on myself and the progress that I, I give, and I hope to take it from there. What is, uh, what is it like fighting in a, in a community where you, you played at UM? This is something that you're very used to playing in front of this community. What is it like fighting in front of the Miami, um, the Miami audience? It's actually harder than it, 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 it is. Um, I'll say this. When I fight on the road, I, I don't have to worry about anything. It's just like when you play basketball on the road. You just worry about the opponent, the referees. You're not really worried about them because you know they're going to cheat you anyways. You know, you just worry about the game and you give a good show. Um, same thing as fighting on the road. You know, when you're on the one, it's, it's opposite of fighting at home because then the pressure's on you. And uh, how did I know that? My last fight, the pressure was on me, you know, because I had all my friends, my family, uh, I won't say family, but I had all my friends, my teammates, um, all my friends from other sports, you know, all the UM alumni, the UM, uh, uh, the, the boosters, everybody that has known me for Man. 10 years since I've been in, in Miami, they were all there. So I had to worry not just about the fight, but about the showing. You know, uh, like I said, I learned out the hard way because I got clocked in the first round of the fight. So I had to wake up and like, okay, you know what, just focus. And I focused and got the job done. And now I've gotten that experience out of my, out of my system because now I, I can now go into a fight even with friends, family, well-wishers, and all those people screaming with the pressure that comes with them. I can focus on doing the job done and celebrate with them after the fight. As an athlete your whole life, though, like, how many people told you you were nuts to get into fighting? Like, how much? How much everybody you says that? that, you know. Everybody says that. The, 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 good, the, the route that I took, because I knew it was going to happen like that, when I started boxing for about two, three years, it was just on the low. You know, I had my, my amateur boxing career without the media. Nobody really knew I was fighting except for people like you in the boxing circle um, who knew me. Then when I turned pro, even when after I turned pro, it wasn't really all that, you know, out there blown up. But when I started making moves in South Florida, the South Florida media took it over. So, though they can say you're crazy, but then they go look back at my body of work through my amateur and the, my, the beginning of my professional career. Now they see that, okay, you know what, he actually does know what he's doing, you know. So, a lot of people say I'm crazy. I am crazy. I'm not going to say I'm not crazy. <laughs> Everybody has to be some yeah. sort of crazy to be, uh, to, to, to punch people in the face and dodge punches. This is, uh, I mean, you know, heavyweight's a, a division that's had such a resurgence in boxing over the last couple of years. Um, where you see yourself, do you visualize, like, getting, you know, to the top and all that type of stuff? Like, does it feel uh, possible? Like, how do, you, how do you keep it from, you know, your long-term goals into just, you know, the day-by-day -day grind that you also have to keep in mind? Um, being an athlete for my whole life, you, you get the experience of the journey of a thousand miles starts with a step. And... You get there with step by, by you get there step by step. Um, so what I've learned over time, and especially has taught me in boxing, is every day the body of work is in the daily activities that you do. So I have to just make sure that I complete my task for the day, and I can look back a month and say, okay, I got better at this. And over the course of a year, I can then say I got better at this by a lot. 
you know, so that's the approach I've taken. You know, I've, I've done everything step by step, you know, from learning to jive, to throwing the right, to um, balancing on back foot, uh, moving back on the front foot, you know, stuff like that. You know, I take it step by step, and over time, it becomes the entire body of work that, uh, that I, would, uh, I would come to bring together as one um, perfect fighter. And um, I hope that will take me further. Um, I believe that um, I will be ready for a world title fight very soon. And uh, we're, we're trying to prep the Miami market for boxing. You know, right now Las Vegas is the, there's the prime position of boxing. New York is second. I would say London, London, England might be third, but there's no reason Miami shouldn't be fourth at this time and possibly first in the next future, in the next year or two. Why is that something that I, where do you guys see that? Because I love hearing that. I love hearing that opportunity that yeah. we're going to give big fights here. Why do you guys see that opportunity uh, that, that this can be a booming market for the world to see? Um, Miami is the city. You know, Miami has everything that any other city has. Miami has an international airport. You know, you can fly from everywhere in the world um, into Miami. Miami has all the hotels. Miami has South Beach. Miami has Coconut Grove. Miami has Wynwood. It has, um, I mean, an extension of Miami is Fort Lauderdale. There's Las Olas Boulevard. All the bars are springing up. There's Coral Gables, a nice neighborhood. There's Palmetto. There's Kendall. The, you know, so we have a very diverse um, um, coalition of ethnic groups. And we can all, the same way we come together for the heat is the same way we come together for boxing. Uh, we have the Miami Heat Arena, we have the BBNT Center, we can have a boxing event at the, uh, at the Sun Life Stadium, sorry, is this Sun Life Stadium? At the Hard Rock Stadium. So we have a market that's prepped for the fight game. And uh, just when you look at the revenues from boxing, Miami can definitely rival Las Vegas in that because, I mean, Las Vegas, what do they have but, uh, but the desert and casinos? Miami has hotels. Miami has the money. I mean, if you, if I want to go see a fight today, I'll take a flight to Las Vegas. Let's for, for once, let's have people fly down to Miami, which is, I mean, it's a relatively cheap place to have a vacation, so we can make it happen. Well, we're gonna get the chance to see the show on uh, on January 23rd. What are people gonna expect? What can we expect from you? Um, growth. You know, um, the next level of growth. Uh, I'm not gonna promise a knockout. Um, you're just gonna have to wait and see and hope that it comes. I know if it's gonna come or not, but I won't tell you. Um, I would expect you to come there and cheer for your hometown uh, boxers. Um, I, I think you were, you were expect you, were experience, you, were ex you should expect a good night of boxing. Um, you know, just appreciate the sport. You know, cheer on the fighters, and uh, you know, just have a good time. Get your tickets, Ticketmaster.com, January 23rd. Rafael Pajoy, thank you so much for the time, man. Really thank appreciate it. Much, we're looking sir. forward to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate both of those guys giving me some of their time. I'm looking forward to the show. And uh, thanks again to Glenn Johnson and Rafael Akpajoy for joining us. We hope you guys have a great, safe week. We will have all the reaction to UFC 257, Connor versus Dustin Poirier next week. Everybody enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we'll talk to you next time, guys. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.